Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Teachable Moments, how and when children are most likely to be listening to you. This podcast started with a universal question, how can I set consequences for my daughter for doing something she's told not to do? I believe this gets at the heart of most discipline questions. How do I teach right from wrong? How do I teach my child that I mean what I say? And I have high expectations about her ability to understand and do the right thing. How do I enforce everything I'm trying to teach? The question assumes a bit of a policeman style of management, tickets and fines to discourage inappropriate behavior. Those violations of the well thought out, reasonable rules we envision for a harmonious home. I'm flipping the script a bit today to talk instead about teachable moments. When and how can our children hear our messages and work towards self-management with our support and our guidance? This is a big topic and one that might need a follow-up podcast, but let's get right to the original question and how to connect the dots between parent responsibility and child behavior. Today I have Shannon Moskoff and the mom with the original question, Laura Basili. Lauren, take us back to the question and that moment that made that precipitated it. Okay. So um, I grew up with spankings and consequences and no meaning no, and if I say jump, you ask how high, right? Uh, wonderful childhood, but that was sort of the engagement between parent and child. So then I've discovered through family time, reading, and the wonderful Miss Karen, that you can do something called natural consequences. So if a child spills water on themselves, you don't have to punish them for having spilled the water. The punishment is already there. They're wet and uncomfortable. But what happens when there is no natural consequence? How do I say what you did was wrong and I need my no to mean something? I need to be the parent, you need to be the child. Now, my three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old daughter thinks she's my equal. I mean, she questions everything I say. She questions whether it's true or it's false, whether it's anything. I mean, the other day I said, there's no more pink dental flosses. There's only green and blue, and I brought her the blue. She had to get out of bed, go to the bathroom, open the drawer, and see for herself that that pink one was not available. Okay, 
We, there's already a lot there, and I'm going to let Shannon give us the give us her overview. But had you one more point? I just wanted to tell you my original question came from. She opened my purse and she took out a wet wipe, one of the individually packed ones. Now, it doesn't matter that she opened a wet wipe. I mean, that's super inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. It's not like she did something dangerous or hurt somebody else. But I had specifically told her she was not allowed to open it. And she secretly went, opened it, and I found it later in the bathroom. And I asked, you know, did you open this? She says, yes. And I said, but why if I said you weren't allowed to do that? And at that point, I just felt like at a failure because it wasn't really something that was important, and I couldn't find a natural consequence. So um, there wasn't one. <laughs> there okay. wasn't one. There wasn't one. So oh, let me let me um, jump in here, and then we'll find out how this relates in your life with your son. Here, here's a whole lot in that in that whole scenario. First, I guarantee you that when you approach any discipline situation, behavioral situation with I am the parent, you were, I think you are guaranteed to end up in a power struggle. I think you are guaranteed to be going down a path that is going to be frustrating, overwhelming, and confusing. How is it possible that I can be the grown-up in the room? How is it possible that I can be the smart one, the experienced one, and I am supposed to be the teacher who has no voice? Power struggles, as we all know, don't come from being powerful. They come from feeling powerless. Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeling that loss of power, she got me. Um, I'm going to need you to step back and pause and think of a different way. The, uh, I am smarter than my child, but I am not in control of everything she does. Now, that does not mean we accept any choices. She did something you asked her not to do. That makes you sad. That makes you think she's not going to be a good listener when it really does matter. I mean, if you really unpack why that matters, it's it might matter because you want her to respect your words, right. to hear what mommy's saying. So there are two kinds of consequences, first of all. They're not all natural. They're, some of them are logical. And you can say, I mean, think of the book um, the fairy tale, The Little Boy Who Cried Wolf. If, if I know you're not hearing me, then I'm not going to believe you're hearing me when you tell me you are. Because you were sneaky and you did something that makes me think, wow, Olivia isn't paying attention to mommy. Um, there's, there's a so that's the logical consequence of her not listening is that there is a violation of trust and confidence that you have in her. And respect. And respect. And you, you can respect go ahead. You. So take it, Shannon. Yeah. And I, I think I think on that note, you know, you want respect from your child, but at the same time you have to teach respect. And that that was disrespectful to you. But you also I I am always told, remember he's two. Remember he's two. And he's so smart and I know he knew. I know she knew That's what right. she was doing. But at the same time, she's three. So you have to give yourself a break. And she is Olivia. So how many times do we talk about temperament when it comes mm -hmm. to this relationship between any parent and child? 
I feel pretty confident to say Olivia is always going to have to check for herself. I believe Olivia is going to be determined. And ambitious. And ambitious and forthright yep. in in trying to get get away with everything she can if i can if i can set my own course i am going to do it now to think that you could break that or change that in her not that you would cuz you want you want to celebrate that spirit but you want that spirit dialed down when when you're when you're in a parent child Especially direction. in the teenage years, thank you. Yes. <laughs> but this is your practice right. for the teenage years. And this is, so here's now when you say I am the parent, and I think when you get to any discipline situation or any situation of consequences, is how much control do I actually have? Can I guarantee that she won't test, go through the back door, find a different way to accomplish what she says. How motivated is she? And then you have to evaluate that and find a plan and a process that is going to teach her self-management, right from wrong, respect for her mother, for authority, for rules, all of those things. But it's not something that the word no will ever teach. I always say in early childhood, no is like, a mouse chasing an elephant. That behavior is big and strong. And, and the word I broke down on my board here is voice and choice. Olivia wants assertiveness and independence and her way in the world. And that is something we have to encourage at the same time we're teaching respect. So, question. I have a problem with the fact that she thinks she's my equal, though. Especially for things that I'm allowed to do, she's not allowed to do. Okay, the, the ultimate of this is she does not, we are not in any way in this conversation or in any discipline behavior conversation thinking about children having inappropriate power. Children running the house is not successful. It frustrates parents. It mm-hmm. makes you hate mealtimes, bedtimes, getting out of the house in the morning. All If you look at the discipline article part two, it is if you are running into conflicts on a regular basis about a regular situation, how do you change your routines and your, and your rules so that everybody in the family is happy and sane? And I would say in my family that it's not. So is she, does, so the question is, does she have inappropriate power in your house or does she attempt to express a need for power? She's challenging you. And it's simple things like I can take a glass of water, go to the fridge and fill it all the way. She cannot. She has to use one, two, stop, one, two, stop, because otherwise that glass of water will spill. She sees that I don't do one, two, stop, and she's like, well, hey, wait a minute, why don't you do one, two, stop? And I tried to explain, well, listen, I'm much taller than you are. I can see from the top when the water level is getting too high, so I will not spill. You're looking at the fridge from the bottom, you can't see it. One, two, stop is your tool to not spill the water. She went and got a chair, brought it so to the fridge. So that she could see. Got to the top, 
and oh, then she's says, "Really smart. Look, mommy, I did it just like you, just like and a grown-up." And do you want to celebrate that? Yes. No. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you not celebrate that? And there is the natural consequence. If she does it and it spills, that's the lesson. Now you have to go get a towel. I'll hold your water here while you clean up the wet floor. That's natural consequences. That is, mommy does not have to speak. The action itself will speak for itself and give the child full responsibility for their behavior, their choices, and fixing the problem that that they've created all by themselves. Right. So over-managing and over-managing with a child like Olivia. I was just going to say, and, and I've read this, I believe it was in The Happy, Happiest Toddler on the Block, best book ever, that we have to remember they're like cavemen, and we have to talk to them like they're cavemen. So, yes, you, you had a, you, I feel you had a conversation with her, like almost like a, philosoph- like a philosophical is that the word? Philosophical, yes. Philo- conversation <laughs> with her when you could have used easier words, maybe. And, but at the same time... She took I mean, the challenge. She took the challenge. She sounds like... And it's not a dangerous challenge, so, again, when it's danger, it's cease and desist. It's exactly. like, how do I jump in, stop this, interrupt this, and, and pull everyone out of the, 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 the path of this forward-going action so that I can keep everybody safe? That is parent responsibility. And, and now I'm not, um, and I've actually had disagreements with um, um, t- um, Toddler on the what was oh Harvey Carter Harvey, Harvey Car- at, a, at a conference. Oh, tell me because oh, really? I I I think that for a child like Olivia who can step up if it doesn't create frustration for mom even though she's going to know she has a tendency for over talking mm-hmm. she Olivia went through that problem solving processed it and came up with a great solution. Yeah, you don't know it's not a shortcut. Um, I think and I think the the drama. That he describes of like, I just can't do it. <laughs> right. Um, I don't want to be the grown up that acts like the child versus. Oh, I know exactly um, what you're talking about. So I want to. I want to be a role model of problem solving, but I think the value there is value to the book and the concept, and that is meet them where they are. And and I agree with that. And I know exactly what you're talking about. How you kind of get to their level and you express you know, at the same tone as them. Now, it took me a really long time to get that. But what I got out of that is that I acknowledge his what he yes. wants. That's what it is. You're acknowledging, you're getting down to their level, you're expressing the same type of tone. Yes. But, and it's embarrassing sometimes. Sometimes I'm in a store, he has a tantrum, and I get down, you want the toy, you want the toy, you know, it's, yes. it's embarrassing. But you know what, it stops him in the track. And he says, I do want the toy. Because those I mirror think, neurons do work. He can look at you and say, mommy understands me. Exactly. And that is essential. And I think there should always be that pause of, because I think the, I am the parent, phrase and intention is going to keep you in your parent brain. So that, it really is very helpful, Shannon, to, to mm-hmm. jump into that How do I match or internalize for myself some 
clear sense of what it means and feels like to be two, three, and even 12 mm-hmm. and 14. Because even those teenagers aren't going to have adult mature brains. And, and, and as I've it's been true. saying here for weeks, your biggest goal in terms of self-management, executive function, um, and emotional literacy is how do I teach my child to think and feel at the same time? But you have to start with the feeling. You have to start with the how do I describe this moment? Mm-hmm. Not even like, oh, you're frustrated. But as you said, you really want that toy. <laughs> Tell me how I got to this emotional state that's throwing me completely off course. Right. Okay, so describe, Shannon, if you would, um, the frustrating moments or the the challenges that you that face. That I'm feeling mm-hmm. right now. Okay, so... I have a two and a half year old who all of a sudden is saying no to everything. And it's very, and he's such a good kid. I mean, he listens, he does what I say, and all of a sudden he's switched to no. Does it feel so, like defiance? Yes, it feels like defiance and it really boils my blood yeah. for some reason. Like I get very, I don't know what it is that triggers. It's, it pushes that parent button that must be prim, primal. And he has this, not a chair, but it's it's a climbing thing that he goes around the kitchen and he can go and help us and blah, blah, blah. And he goes up to the fish and I say, no, please don't, please don't feed the fish. We already fed the fish. And he takes the the scooper thing, and he tries to, like, go after the fish, and this poor fish is going to hurt the fish. Please don't do that. You're going to hurt the fish. No. So I very gently, I say, give me the, please give me the net. And there's the logical consequence. That is, if you're doing something inappropriate with the object, then I have to intervene. Exactly, and 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 take it away. And then he has his tantrum, and he cries and screams, and I say, if you're going to do that, please go in your room. Because it's bothering me. It's frustrating me. And, of course, that makes him even more upset. And then I just walk away. And as long as he's safe. Right. As long as he's but safe. He's not pushing over the fish tank. Yeah, and the, and the fish the are safe. Right. Uh, you know, I usually pick him up and I put him in the playroom or in his room. Does he follow you? No. He doesn't. Okay. But that's the he, ultimate of the tantrum. I mean, how do you respond to a tantrum? If you remove the child... Um, or you remove yourself and say, mm-hmm. have your tantrum here, and the child calms down, picks themselves up, comes and stands in front of you, and starts it all over again. And that's, That hasn't happened yet. There are children, and Olivia does that? Yes. I. It took me a long time to walk away from her. I always try to meet her, talk to her, find her emotions. I think I, 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 I thought I could remain in the baby bubble in the toddler years, and then discovered... I can walk away, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. But the way she engages at that point is by following me. I go to a different room, or if we're on the street, and that's now a new thing, she'll, in the middle of the street, oh, the main goodness. street in our neighborhood, not my street, but the main street, <sighs> plops down. I have to physically remove her to the sidewalk, and then I'll turn my back to her and yeah. say, when you're done, I'm here for you. She gets herself up, goes in front of me, and she wants me to see how upset she is. So you think that by turning your back, then you're showing her that you disapprove and that in some way you're not reinforcing the tantrum? Is that why you turn your back? Yes. 
it's not I working. I think to give mommy, <laughs> and I also feel like it's to give mommy a breath. And I think, you know, turning your back, taking a breath, and then her coming around, I would even acknowledge and say, you know, you're, you're upset. Like, what is she upset about at the moment? I think she had to give me her hand to cross. Okay. Or... So you wanted my hand. You wanted my hand. That's, see, right, that's, right. and then she'll be, and then you all You didn't want my hand. Oh, she didn't. No. Oh, so okay. She, so so you say you didn't want to hold I've my hand. I've learned the trick, either hand or neck. You get your choice. She doesn't go for that anymore. the back of the shirt. Yeah, the back yeah. of the shirt. <laughs> but she, do, oh, that no, worked I when she was mistake. in her twos. It right, doesn't work now when she's, she's that. Now she's right. way too mature for that now. That was a two that was an 18 month strategy. Right. So here but oh here's God. here's what I <laughs> here's what I want you to know, I think, as everyone out there is in these situations, because I do think, and this was so clear on the Tantrum podcast, that not only is your response child specific. And that what works for one child does not work for another. But it's also, in many cases, situation-specific. And I do believe that when, if I put myself in her shoes and, and mom's turned her back on me and I am having a meltdown or mom's walked away and I'm like, I need you to see me. She's clawing harder and faster out of this deep well of her emotional storm that says, I need you and I reject you at the same time. So she's in this very contradictory world. But I think, I think it's escalating when you, when you withdraw. So I don't think you can actually do that, but I think you also can't engage. I think you're trying to Maybe find that tightrope. If you just if you stay within arm's distance or if you just say, and there's a way to have a, fr- a, a, a calm face, not a rejection face, not a disapproval face, because that's the, that's the, that's the wedge where, where you can look and say, I need you to finish so, we can, so that I can help you. I need, let me know when you're done. I am here. You're upset. Let it out. My philosophy in that moment was see me, hear me, love me. It's become a tantrum, uh, not a tantrum, a mantra mantra for me. So that's what I did. I got to her level. I looked at her and I said, I understand you're upset. Here are my arms. If you want a hug, I'll give you a hug. It took her a while. But then now she crawls into my arms and I give her a hug. My fear, and I know this is a silly fear. It's. A, I'm glad you're going to say it. Go. Yeah. Is the neighbors who walk by thinking that you're rewarding I'm it? A rewarding, a pushover, spoiling. I know you're not supposed to care what everybody else thinks, especially the people walking their dogs in the neighborhood. <laughs> But it's real. It's, it's real. real in it's the real. supermarkets. Yeah. And it's even it's more like the, real in your family. Right, because you've oh, come yes. from a tradition and, and we oh, love yes. your father. Um, and he's on the he's on the helicopter grandparent podcast where he talks about old school 
philosophies and 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 we respect him for the great daughter that he raised and we don't take anything away from that and yet you are making different choices but you feel that pressure and but all I can really say and this is where I think my new buzzword is going to be something called dynamic development which is how do you continue to respond meet kids where they are Find the solution that works for that age and stage and honors where you are in your parent development. Because what it is, is you know some when you are walking away from her, when you are turning your back on her, that, that it's not working, that she's escalating. And so your mission has to be in this dynamic relationship with this real three-dimensional, precocious, complex little human being how do I keep it from escalating and help her to understand herself better and understand my expectations and my needs better? My needs are, I'd like to take a walk with you. If walks are struggling, or we're struggling with these walks every time we get to that street, we can't walk to that street, or maybe I have to go on some walks without you. And that's gonna make me really sad. And then she can have responsibility for what choices can I make so that I can be, so I can enjoy my walk with mommy. You can stop right there on that sidewalk and go, Olivia, this is so hard for you to get across the street. I know you want to do it on your own. It's not safe on your own right now. Do we turn around and go back or do you want to try again? I was just going to say, give her a choice. Choices. There are so many. There's this, I have that magic list for discipline. The book was written in the 80s, long out of print. And and to me, it is as fantastic as no drama discipline. It is as fantastic as conscious discipline. It's, It's as great as all of my favorite classic discipline books. It's called Parents, Please Don't Sit on the Kids. And what she does, and I ha- I'll give you the list in my okay, classroom. do that. And I'll post it on Facebook. She makes the list of all of the reasons why children misbehave. Immaturity, boredom, hunger, reinforcement, routines, um, changes in environment, testing, all of those situations. And then she says, and here's your list of 11 strategies Choices, humor, hugs, clearly say what you mean and stand by it. Um, Natural consequences, logical consequences. But here's the ultimate dilemma. You have to match the reason for the misbehavior with the strategy. And when I did my practicum a thousand years ago, and I sat with parents and I said, let's, I'm gonna give you these two lists. Keep a log of what goes wrong or is challenging in your house, and then document how which of these strategies worked for those situations. And then I added the these were all the book was also alternatives to punitive discipline. So those were these are all non-punishing. Instead of timeout, she had renewal time. Take a break, get yourself calm, come back when you feel better and we'll move forward. It's this, all these things of what strategies, and it it is about executive function and self-management. What works to get us moving forward? Then I added the the punishment, yelling, screaming, threats, bribes, um, and then to the the arm pulling and to the spanking and to the, you know, to the the shame, embarrassment, humiliation, all of those things that we do when we're in a panic. 
What I learned is that in the moment, you can never, ever know what's the best strategy. Right. You, everybody ran the list. I gave you a choice. I tried to be funny. I tried to give you a hug. And, and you go through. The, and then what is that teacher child? My mom's out of control. My mom's desperate. My mom's in a panic. So most important, meet them where they are. Find your pause. If you don't know what the right strategy is, take a deep breath and go, wait a second, we're, we're, in, we're stuck here. I don't know what, how to fix this. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to teach you that it's really important to me that you respect the rules. And you know what? Just creating space for that question, I promise you, something will percolate up because you do know your children that well. So I think I, I think I didn't you know me I don't want to be talking so much on the podcast so let's go back to how, how that fails for you or where that seems like a struggle you've heard all of those options out there in the world um, I will post the, the the lists on my Facebook page with this podcast later today um, but in terms of the how do you think yourself through that feeling emotions and the and the triggers that are being that send you into reaction mode when you're in discipline when you want to be the parent when you want to be in control when you want to move forward well i it's really hard because it's not something that i grew up with i mean it was okay i don't know in the moment but i've learned that one strategy that works well with my daughter is empathy. She's a very empathetic person. Yes. So if mm -hmm. I can tell her, I ask her a series of questions, and um, some of them aren't very open-ended. Not that I think I do that intentionally, but I think for a three-year-old, it actually works well. Because you're kind well. of steering her. But, for example, yesterday, it wasn't a tantrum, but it was just a situation that made me mad, made me frustrated. Mm -hmm. We got out of the car. I got the stroller out for my baby. My daughter, who has never used a stroller, hated the stroller, gets into the stroller. I don't say anything. I get out my baby carrier and carry the baby into where we're going. When I go into the bathroom, it's a lot more difficult now. Right. Of course. <laughs> so I start asking her. I said, you know what? Mommy's really angry and really sad and upset and mad. And she looks at me like, well, why? And I so think, maybe back to Shannon, maybe that is a little too much. I know it is. <laughs> I know it is. And, but I started asking her, what do you think is easier for mommy? Do you think carrying brother is easier? Or do you think putting him in the stroller is easier? Can Olivia walk or does Olivia need the stroller? You know, I went through a series of these questions. And although it might sound a little advanced, her conclusion was, yeah, it is easier for mom to put brother in the stroller. But I think it was also, but I really don't care. <laughs> Perfect. So it works when you have time. You like creating this intellectual verbal engagement. I'm not going to take that away from you. Uh, you know, when she gets to her teenage years, she's going to say, my mom's going to talk me through all this stuff. <laughs> however, however, like what Miss Andy pointed out to me was, 
he wasn't leaving or something. We were trying to go leave from aftercare. And I was like, that's it. You're not getting, you're not going on a play date. No TV. <laughs> that's it. You're going right to, right to. So she says to me, why don't you give him one consequence? Because I was, I'm You're escalating. Out. Oh, yeah. You're spinning. I was like, oh, Self. that's it. No, no play date. No TV. No, you're going right to bed. No bath. Okay. You know, no, no dinner. dinner. Yeah, I was like. Those were the days, right? I love you can't it. do I love that. It. And Miss Andy was like, one, one consequence. And you know, it's almost like when people tell you things, you don't realize what you're doing till someone points it love out. It. So maybe you I know, notice that too when she starts yelling at her brother for things that I've yelled at her for. Mm. The shame that mm. overcomes me. Yeah. You know, he'll start to be very uncomfortable in his car seat. He hates his car seat. And she'll start to tell, tell, you know, tell him, well, you have to be in your car seat, you know, and, and, and just in a not very nice way. And I say, Olivia, say it gently to him. Please say it gently. And then I'm like, I wonder if I said it gently to her. Perfect. I mean, but again, that's the awareness right. and that's the growth. Yep. So come back to consequences. So tell me which consequence you picked in that moment or which one you would like to pick and how, because I don't, I mean, again, those negative consequences, those punitive consequences, those taking things away, it, I, if, as long as that's not the only strategy that I think you're using in discipline, because we want discipline to be about the whole preparing them for the marshmallow test, preparing them for self-management. But if it says, look, I've had enough, mm-hmm. here's my black and white, and, and I'm going to tell you that I mean what I say and I say what I mean. And actually, I remember what the what it was, is he... he <clears throat> spit on one of the teachers and that's why I said you know I got to his level I said you know we don't spit um go and apologize and he wouldn't apologize and that's when I said so we chose no tv however we'll never do that again because you were the the one punishment on me on us you know when we're sitting there but um because we do have our routine where we watch a little tv before bed um, but at least you stayed with it. We stayed with it. Can I just say, one of my memories from when I was very young was, I think I jumped on the bed of a neighbor's house, and my mother said, you know, you're not allowed to jump on beds, and she made me go apologize. The shame that I felt, I was not able to apologize. I mean, I just, I was totally frozen. How old were you? I think I was four. Older. A little bit older. Yeah. But I don't think anyone explained shame, embarrassment, feeling sorry to me. Maybe that's mm. what I needed the, as a the child. The tricky part about apologies. and, and, and That's interesting. That's an interesting point. At least point. for the twos and threes. I, I'm not quite sure. There's There has to be some adaptations for the preschool and uh, pre-K and kindergartners. But the idea of telling children that they must apologize when it's not sincere mm-hmm. is a struggle. And so um, because you're not teaching them empathy, you're teaching them when you do something wrong, you go say those words. And, and everything's so, okay. And so you, it's the children who will comply because they are pleasers will then start going through the room and going, sorry, sorry, sorry. They'll just do those, in, sorry. They'll do the inappropriate thing and then right. say they're sorry thinking that that somehow is okay. And so they aren't connecting to the empathy, to the, that really hurt somebody's feelings, that made somebody sad. You know, that made your teacher wet and gross, you know? I mean, right. so... Explain uh, now, to what him you, they why. They understand gross, though. Now, what... They, oh, they understand gross. You think so? 
Oh yeah, I can I can explain yeah, it. I do. Okay. <laughs> but the other thing is, you can go and apologize. You can go to the teacher and say, you know what? I'm so sorry that he hurt your feelings. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that he did that. I mean, I would use. I mean, I'm fine with gross for spitting, you know, because it's it, it is it is. So um, I don't need your spit. I, you know, I don't. She doesn't <laughs> like that, and that and that's not a way to treat your teacher. And you hurt her. You hurt her. Um, the other th- and the, the, my best example of not forcing children to apologize is: imagine you've had a disagreement that got hot and crazy with your spouse. And you've said things you were inappropriate, that were mean, that were cruel, that were wrong. And you're still in that moment. He says, you owe me an apology. He always does it. Then you're and gonna, I'm not ready. Then, then you say, and that idea of you're not ready. So what I would say in that moment that. is, okay, you can tell them to say apology. You know, I would like you to, to, uh, right. to say you're sorry. If you see that he isn't, then I would say, you're not ready. You know what? Maybe tonight we can go home and draw her a picture and tell her mm-hmm. that you don't want to do that again, but that you lost it. You know that your body and it, and it could now. I have one. So let me just go to that. That was a mistake behavior. Like you lost it. Your body was out of control, and your brain. Could, and and, I, and that's what I love about no drama discipline is. The upper brain managing the lower brain. Thinking of it as a house with an upstairs and a downstairs. Your brain couldn't make your tongue stay in your mouth. You know, and I'm and I'm very literal with children because it's about how do I manage my body, myself, my feelings, my actions. So tell them to be the captain, the general, the the the, the person that's in charge of themselves, and and help your body. Listen to yourself rather than help you listen to me. But now there is that other thing where it wasn't just an accident. It was a testing. And and I just want to put out here for there is only, I believe, when I show you that magic list of strategies for different behaviors, how do you know your child is testing? Your child is testing when you give them what do they say they want. You validated where they are. You meet them. You're being as kind, as empathetic, as, as, as thoughtful, and as teachable as you can be. And they just up the ante. Really? You thought it was about the pink cup? Well, it's not about the pink cup. Now I'm taking that stool in my kitchen because it's not about the water. Now I'm going to go and start getting ice cubes. And now I'm going to the, to, the, to the sink and I'm turning on the water. Watch me push myself to the most out of control. Testing is I need to assert that voice. I need to assert my power. And I am needing somebody to shut me down. And it's how do I contain it, control it, stop it, freeze it. And it just means that is direct intervention, which, you know what? I have to help you stop. I have to help say that says that's all we can do for today. And we need to get ourselves back back to calm, back to in control. Um, te- when, when it's a testing situation, shut it down. Cease and desist as quickly as you can because there's no speaking. There's no rational. Right. There is they're no. They're just out of control. They're out of control, and it and and they need you to. And and sometimes that can be with a hug if they're flailing. But it but it really means you know what you are going to keep. The, their children will look for those spiky edges. It's like why are they being so irrational? I'm trying to help. I'm trying to console. I'm trying to comfort. I'm trying to fix the problem, and they are just being irrational. And that is and that's an immaturity issue. That is. A developmental issue that is, I cannot manage myself, my body, my world, 
any of this. So help me, help, help, help contain me in a safe place. And sometimes I think it's also, I want more rules. I have... I need black and white. I this need, is not time for gray. I need clarity, consistency, mm-hmm. and, 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 and a, a boundary. I need to know that the walls are not moving on me and that I am standing on firm ground. I am not in quicksand. But the shocking part of that is they seek it in some way because they need to know where the edges of their power are so that right. they feel safe and secure. So, and let's go back to the nose. Uh, wait, I don't, did we answer everything about... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I mean, when he said, I mean, it's, it's pretty new, so... Um, did he test when he was under two? Is, would he have a mild 18 months to I two? I mean, he's not... Yes this and is, no. If it was mild... He was really good. He's been really good. He's been really easy. That's why we're, like, scared to have a second, because he's so good. Fun. Um, but the testing will come eventually, and clearly he is in that, whether it's testing or just calling it oppositional. No right. doesn't mean no. No means I am. And so when I hear them saying no, 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 my answer, if, if it's not, no, I don't want that, but it's this assertion of right. power, then I'm going to look and go, oh, what a big word. I love to say no, because no means I'm strong and I'm powerful. Right. And and I think it comes back to the water example, and it comes back to a lot of things we've been talking about, and that is when you feel them trying to assert themselves, give them appropriate power. Give them more responsibility in all of the cases and situations where they can handle it and manage it. And it might mean I do need to be more expansive in terms of what I know my child is capable and of. And like example this morning, when you know he when we get dressed, he sits at his table, eats, and watches you know PJ Masks or whatever. So I said, we're ready to get dressed. Let's go. No. Okay. No problem. I'm going to go do my makeup. I'll give you a couple more minutes, and I'll come back. And he's okay. And I came back, and he says, I'm ready. Thank God. Thank God. What a, but how reassuring right. is that? So and I gave him the power. He got the power. And he also gave me back the power when he said, okay. It's the perfect example, and it's the perfect example of if you really are confident in your power as a parent, then you can feel, you don't feel threatened when they say no, that I'm not, that I'm losing my parent power. Exactly. But I am in, but I will hold my power and respect your power, and that is really and what you're And that's what for. it is. It's, it's respect for each other and giving them respect if i don't give him respect he's not going to give me respect back it's a great and example and sometimes i lose it i do and i have to get down on my knees and say i'm sorry mommy yelled and mommy sorry mommy was angry and i love the idea and it's going there's going to be so much trial and error in this process you know when you say okay i'll be back in 2 minutes you don't know that he's going to be ready. Yep. You don't know <laughs> that he's going to be cooperative and the other word is compliant. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is give them the chance. Right. Give them the chance. And if they step up, great, you move forward. If they don't, it's not a fail. It's a, hmm, what can I learn about this that I didn't know either about my presentation as a parent or their response as a child, as a child in their temperament and as a child at this particular stage of development. 
Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. We're out of time. Oh. So we have to do the wrap up. I know we can come back to this a thousand times. Um, but I do have to say, you know, yes, you are smarter than your child. It's right in the entitlement free book, but you're never smarter than your child in the moment, in the moment you're in reaction. So you do need time to reflect. You need time to evaluate. You need time to talk with your husbands, your friends, your parents, and say, this is what worked and this is not what's working this week with us in our family. So that you have some ability to, to make plans and at least hypothetical strategies of what we can try to work. I want you to engage in this as a process, but the end is always the same. How have you got this for right here, for right now? Laura. Well, I think that I've got it just because I'm thinking about it, just because I'm talking about it, just because it's not creating a uh, situation in my family where I'm becoming frustrated by it or frustrated in the moment, yes, but frustrated over time, no, because I know that there are strategies, there are ways around it, and if we talk about it enough and if we philosophize about it <laughs> enough and if we have Miss Karen in our lives, yeah. everything's going to be okay. Laura and I could over-talk everything for an infinity, so <laughs> we both have the same vulnerabilities. But I think but I've you're got open. it because yes. I love her, I see her, and I feel her. I as, her. And you I do. So... And now, and, that, and now including you in that see me, hear me, love me, so that you can be the So I do. I see her, I hear her, and I do love her very, very much. So I think that's how I've got her. Shannon, how have you got this? I think um, I fake it till I make it. Say more. I, really, I, I just, you know, I, although I might feel powerless, I don't let it show. And I think that that's something that's very important. You have to not necessarily keep the power but, you know, remember who the parent is. But there's a trust in yourself that there is a thread that you never lose it completely. And, and the thread that says, um, I'm allowed to be learning too. Exactly. And so that's Every what I want minute. for you is to know that you're growing so much with them. And you don't have to know everything as you're living it. Yep. Thank you so very much. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today... Please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song Listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.